Welcome to another podcast. Uh, this is one with Stella Duffy. I had a long and amazing conversation with her. Uh, she is uh, co-founder of Fun Palaces and an author of 16 novels as well as 60 short stories. She's published widely. She's also an actress. She's an amazingly creative person. Uh, because of the RU, uh, by the way. I, I live in South London. Uh, it's called Loughborough Junction. I have, in fact, written two novels that are set around here. But to people who don't know London well, it would be somewhere between Brixton and Camberwell. Oh, okay. So uh, how's lockdown? That's my first question for most people. Uh, well, how's lockdown affecting you? How are you feeling? What's What basically is the mood there for you um, and maybe for your friends and neighbours? Yeah, I think um, I think fairly positive. Um, I know people who have lost people, uh, many people. I know people who are working in our National Health Service, and we have a dear friend who's been extremely ill, but thankfully now is off a ventilator. So I think there's some hope. Um, I think we're divided between those who are sort of carrying on as normal or having a holiday and haven't really noticed a terrible thing has happened mm. because it hasn't happened to people near them. And then those of us who have had it happen to people very close to us and been extremely worried about friends and family who are much more aware of the, the problems of the virus itself. Mm. And not just having the virus, but the, you know, in, in the difficult cases of the lengthy rehab that will be necessary for very many people. Um, we're coming out of some degree of lockdown. So in London itself, it feels it's getting a little busier. Um, people are mostly still careful of each other, which I'm grateful for. Uh, my wife's mother is 91 and she looks after her. So we have to be very careful. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's been darker. I fear it will get darker again because you know, like most people who've read the, the studies, um, it seems that we'll have more than one peak. Yeah. Um, and I hope that we can learn from this peak and how we've worked and what's worked and what's not worked so that we can go forward into future peaks more successfully. Yeah, yeah. I think that's in general the mood here. Um, but, um, you know, we have a crazy president who it's um, that this is not real. Uh, yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm really sorry that you do. And, and while I appreciate the desire of people to get back to work yes. and keep economies going, which is, of course, important, um, given the, the huge dramas going on, I'm not quite certain why we haven't just gone, well, we could cancel all world debt and we could all look after each other a little better. And unfortunately, capitalism pins us to the need to keep sending people literally down the mines and to their deaths. <laughs> well, be very blunt about it. You're right. Um, and, um, yeah, I feel like slightly guilty because we're benefiting. We're, we're in a certain kind of uh, bubble here uh, that doesn't have to you know, basically stay in contact with the public, uh, doesn't have to expose themselves that much. Uh, and we are getting, I guess there's a few of us that are getting more paranoid and more, more feeling like we don't want to ever touch anybody's hand or go <laughs> closer or, or the, it, it sounds like it's, you know, the, the idea of going to a, an event like a theater outing, for example, mm -hmm. seems such a huge um, kind of commitment. Um, we, 
you know, it seems like far away that we could ever imagine ourselves doing that. So I think the, the, one of the problems of being locked down is this feeling, uh, the, the, the fear builds instead of decreases. That's where I'm getting at. Yes, I think so too. However, I, you know, I've worked, I'm in my mid-50s, I've worked in the arts since I was 18 when I got my equity card. I'm actually quite hopeful for the arts as a whole coming out of this. I'm not very hopeful for traditional theatre, which I completely agree will take a very long time if it ever comes back. I'm not particularly hopeful for traditional ballet or opera either or anything where it requires some people on a stage and a lot of other people sitting in stalls very close to each other and putting their attention on other human beings. However, my work in the past 10 to 15 years has been much more in community arts, community creativity, and I'm immensely hopeful for that side of right. the art sector because there are phenomenal people, certainly not just in Britain, you know, we've seen amazing stuff come out of the States. I grew up in a small town in New Zealand. There's phenomenal work coming from there, from across the world, where people and communities are stepping up, uh, both to look after the community, but also to find creative ways to share with each other, to share culture with each other. And the organization that I co-founded, Fun Palaces, which has been supporting communities to do this for seven years now, we're really thrilled by by the possibilities this opens up to say, you know what, community culture really matters. It has always been more inclusive and more participative than mainstream high-end, high high art. It has always been much more of the people. And it might be okay for the arts to acknowledge that we have to put our emphasis on what the people can do rather than what we've been told for 150 years is the most important. Wow. You know, I mean, you're onto a very important point here. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we're into a, a huge change in the way we see the arts because, I mean, actually, the Washington Post reported the other day about uh, that uh, this, the Shakespeare Theatre, for example, in London yep, now the needs an injection of something like $7 million to stay afloat. Mm -hmm. And I guess that applies to every single arts institution. Uh, well, it does, although not all of the arts institutions are particularly inclusive. You know, I mean, the Globe has £5 tickets. There's very few British theatres that offer that and, right. uh, and make themselves that accessible to a wide range of people. I, I genuinely think that, that while, of course, it is heartbreaking and upsetting to those who had shows coming, who had films in production... I think, yes, of course, and it's okay to acknowledge the pain of that. You know, in, in some of my work, uh, I'm also a novelist, and I have friends who had books coming out in the last three months, and that's really difficult for them because book publishing really requires that the, the writer is available and can take part. But I also think that, that we cannot only say because the mainstream isn't able to work that therefore all art is gone okay. because there are astonishing community workers doing phenomenal stuff in every community and it maybe this is their time to shine so let me like play that out a little bit uh because i i'm a great fan of your fun palaces when i first heard about the idea i thought wow i wish i thought of that that's a dramatically <laughs> great creative thought you know and, and powerful and um but how does it work at the community level how do we get together uh, celebrate creativity, the arts, 
but do it safely with in a in a sort of post pandemic era or a- sure so so in the past seven years and this isn't just in Britain uh, people in the states as well um, have taken part in fun palaces though it's primarily in Britain because that's where we're based um, and when I say we we are nine people doing two days work a week we're all part-time we all do other things we're all very passionate about community participation and engagement um and we're all across britain and our ambassadors around britain in northern ireland and wales and scotland support local communities to co-create what they want so in the past we've had um farm palaces at the first weekend of october it's a gathering of community it's people sharing their skills with each other creativity skills useful skills you know from how to put up a shelf to astrophysics to how to become a watercolorist just a huge range of any skills that any community might share and every year new people sign up to take part we've had half a million people take part so far and it's led by community for community, sharing their own creativity. What we realised this year was that that is, it might be possible. We don't know what things are going to be like come the beginning of October, but it's very unlikely that you would be able to welcome 2,000 people to your local library, as has happened many times with fun palaces in the past. Sometimes they're huge with thousands of people. Sometimes they've got 20 people coming to a, you know, a small neighbourhood get-together. So what we've started working on is a concept called Tiny Revolutions of Connection. And that's because the core to Fun Palaces is about how to support people to connect with each other. And my background's in the arts, and so for me, arts has always been an amazing way to connect with people. But then we also have worked with many people in the sciences, and for them, the sciences are a great way to connect. Mm -hmm. So what we're sharing now is this idea called Tiny Revolutions. We've got about 40, maybe 42 on the website. They've been sent in from communities all across Britain, and I'm starting to get them coming in from communities elsewhere, where people are saying, you know, this is what I did. I made some creatures out of kitchen tins, cans in American that, I, that I've used for my, for my dinner. Um, I put them along my balcony so that the people in my estate housing project could see what I was doing. And then, and then a neighbor had a chat with me at a six foot distance. Yeah. Um, some, there's another group who make a fun palace with us regularly, uh, Boundary Estate. They're, they've sent out um, leaflets this week asking everyone in the community to draw or paint something that is about their experience of life in lockdown and particularly for those in isolation. That's a great idea. And so they're asking them to put them up in their windows. So all they did was they made a small leaflet. They said, this is who we are. You've seen us at the Fun Palace every year. Um, There are a bunch of uh, buildings with balconies along them so people can, you know, go along the balcony in order to get to their own flat and then they would see somebody else's painting or picture in their window. So in a way, it's reaching out. You can't have the conversation at the bus stop in the same way, but you can still connect with each other. Um, one of the things we've really pushed with this is that in the in Britain, in the UK, there are 12 million people approximately who have very little or no internet access. Um, so there's we know there's about four to five million who've never used the internet at all. And then there's another seven million approximately who have very little access, and that might be because they don't have enough data on their phone, they can't afford it, the contracts are too expensive, or because they don't live somewhere where there is, you know, great 3G, and now the places where people would normally get Wi-Fi, the cafes, the libraries, they're closed. 
So with at least half of these tiny revolutions ideas, we've turned them into PDFs so people can download them from our website, print them up, and then they're delivering them with food packages, with care packages for the vulnerable, the isolated. Um, I'm personally working from home and I've printed up maybe, I don't know, 400, 500 that people have asked me to post out to them, to their community. And then they've delivered them because they don't necessarily have a printer at home. I've got a little printer that has been working its socks off. Um, And in order to not go to my local post office, I've bought a lot of stamps. I weigh the envelope and then I, you know, look it up online and find out so that we're making it accessible offline as well as online. So, and so just to let me interrupt, the, the, the PDFs, what, what would they be? Stories, artwork? What, what yeah, they're, they're, they're ideas about how you can create your own artwork, how you might want to make your own story, how these people did this. So, for example, somebody sent us half a dozen photos. She's a, she's a children's entertainer. She does balloon modeling. And in her front window, she has been making a new picture every week. Um, and so people going by on the street can see that. So we shared that and we shared a couple of tips. Somebody else um, who's a community artist, and because it's springtime in Britain now, came up with this lovely idea of making paper from recycled card material, cereal boxes, um, but instead of just making the paper, embedding it with seeds. Mm. So food seeds or flower seeds or wildflowers, and then turning them into postcards that you can then post to somebody. So you're sending them your best wishes, but you're also sending them something that they can do and share on. Someone else from the Highlands in Scotland, uh, we ha- we shared this week, which is um, instructions on how to make a mask. Uh, in Britain at the moment, we don't have to wear a mask out in public, but there are a lot of people asking that on public transport that people do wear masks. Um, so it's not a surgical grade mask. It's not going to stop you getting the virus, but it may help you not give it to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so there are instructions on how to make a mask, but also um, with the suggestion that you that you make a mask for someone else, you post it on with the instructions so they can then send one on to someone else. So it's about trying to make connections in a safe way where we might take care of people, but also say to them, look, here's a little idea. You might want to try it or you might have one of your own. And so on those PDFs are my own personal phone number and email address because I don't have a work phone and if someone doesn't have the internet and they get one of these and they've got a great idea, I'd love them to get in touch with me and tell me about it so I could share it for them. Well, what's the his- Is this just basically a brand new idea that you came up with or is there historical precedent? Does this go back to something, to, to a pre-industrial revolution age where people oh. were more creative, more individual? I mean, so my grandfather, both of my parents had to leave school at the age of 14. My grandparents were, you know, similarly left school very early. But my granddad, uh, I mean, you know, he was born in 1890. He played the accordion, uh, mowed the lawns in the church and the graveyard, was a volunteer fireman and did other labouring work. You know, in the 1910s and 1920s, he did loads of different jobs to make a living. And one of the things he did was he played the accordion at people's parties. Mm-hmm. Now, he wouldn't have called himself necessarily an artist or a musician, but he was. And for his community, he was the person you would ask if you were having a party. Mm-hmm. So Fun Palaces, which was an idea from the 1960s, um, Joan Littlewood, the theatre director, oh, and, right. Cedric, right. yeah, and Cedric Price, the architect, wanted to create a building 
one building that would house all the arts, all the sciences. It was going to be in the east end of London and it would be free to anybody who wanted to come along. And it would help people understand that, that they too had creativity. And it wasn't just an elite. It wasn't just those who had the privilege of education or, you know, university training, that everyone was creative. And Joe Littlewood, in fact, talked about the, the genius in everyone. And uh, the building was never built. And so in 2013, my co-director and co-founder, Sarah Jane Rawlings and I, uh, came up with the idea of doing something to celebrate Joan Littlewood's centenary, mm -hmm. which was uh, the, the first weekend in October 2014. We genuinely thought that fun palaces would be a one-off, that we would encourage people to recreate a fun palace idea, that you know, the idea that was never built um, in their back garden or their community centre or their scout hut or their library or their church hall, you know, wherever it suited them. Mm -hmm. And what happened was that three, 138 places around Britain, uh, in Sweden and Iceland and Canada and France and all, all sorts, decided they wanted to join in too. And uh, when that happened, we realised that we had accidentally created something that people really, people understood. Because I think every community has its people who, you know, you know that you'll go and ask Alice who lives down the road if you need to, I don't know, get into the local laundrette. And you know you'll ask Pete if um, you need to know something about Sally who lives over there but never talks to anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, every community has its own intrinsic network. Mm. And I think quite a lot of the time when we're trying to do things from a central government perspective, we forget that on the ground and in the grassroots, communities are all over this themselves. So what Fun Palaces does is we just say, look, we're not saying do something new. We're saying do what you always do, but we can shine a light on that for you. And we can share it perhaps on a, on a certainly a national stage in, in Britain, but maybe on a global stage as well. Yeah, that's a terrific uh, thought, and and um, it, it's something that um, you know I see as utopian in a way, you know, because everybody should really be an artist, but because we don't feel like uh, we have the time or we we don't feel talented enough. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and, okay, so my seventeenth novel comes out next year. I don't go around thinking I'm talented. Um, I think that I'm very fortunate. I'm the youngest of seven children. I'm because I'm the youngest. I'm the one who got to go to university. I'm the one who got more more opportunities than my siblings did. And that's not to say my siblings haven't had great lives. They absolutely have. Mm -hmm. But I had more choices in my late teens and 20s than they did. And those choices led me to working in the arts, to becoming a novelist, to becoming a theatre maker. However, what I know from my own personal experience is that my brother and sisters are brilliant, smart people. You know, my, one of my sisters, who's now 70, has gone back to doing art, painting, that she loved at school, but she left school at 15, 16, and she's actually really good. And I don't, I'm not just saying that because yeah. she's my sister. I'm saying that as somebody who's worked in the arts for nearly 40 years. She's really good. Mm -hmm. She just didn't have the chance to try it before. Right. And I think you ask any three-year-old or four-year-old, they can tell you a story. All we have to do is ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. By the time we're 12, 13, we've been told no so often that we stop trying. 
And one of the things that, that is really important to me is that I've always worked in improv, improvisation. Mm -hmm. And in improv, we say yes. We say yes and. That's right. And Fun Palaces is all about saying yes and. And uh, we're going to say yes and to the second part of the podcast interview I did with uh, Stella. And uh, look forward to that. Here uh, in the second part, she explores more of her interest in the media. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.